Hello, my wonderful friends, and welcome back to Too Smart for This, a show for the smart and superficial girls everywhere. This is your host, me, Alexis Barber, and I wanted to say hello before we jump into today's episode. So I think you all have noticed there wasn't a new episode on Thursday, and that is because I unfortunately lost my grandmother last week and it was a lot to process and I just like didn't want to get back on the internet and so while I was dealing with that while I had time off whatever I still really wanted to interview Sierra because I just love her and her vibe and her story and everything she does so much and I can say with full confidence that this episode really was everything I needed and more Sierra is an incredible content creator. She makes content all about life, being the office hot girl, being fun, being herself, and she's incredible. I mean, we get into her experience in relationships. We get into her experience as a content creator, why she would never leave her full-time job. And she gives us really incredible advice for making friends as an adult, for stepping into your own power, and for showing up for yourself. Just something I think a lot of us struggle with because we forget that being being happy on our own is the most important thing we can do for the world. And so she really, I mean, she's a perfect example of that. So I loved this episode. I loved talking to Sierra. And I just want to say thank you again to her for coming on and for being so honest and being an open book and being so kind. So, so grateful. Secondly, the audio in this on my side, just, I don't know what happened. Like, it does not sound good. I'm very upset about it. And be, especially because I love the content of this episode. So I'm very sorry. Her audio sounds perfect. So if you, you're here to hear her, listen to her. But right, I don't know what is going on on my side, but I will be sure to get that fixed for future episodes. But with all that being said, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow everyone who will all be linked in the show notes. And let's get into this week's episode. Welcome. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. Um, this has been a long time coming and I think we've got we've got so much to talk about. We have lots to say. I'm thrilled. I'm ready. I'm so excited. So thank you for coming on. And I like to start with a little bit of a rapid fire question just so if the audience doesn't know you, they can get to know you real quick, real fast. First one is, what is your sun, moon, rising in astrology? And if you're not an astrology girl, give me the other like personality test that you like the most. Oh my God. Okay. I know I'm a Scorpio. Um, I don't know my moon or my rising, but I, on the Enneagram, I'm a four wing three, which I really feel like sums me up as a person. What does that mean? I'm, I'm a two wing three. So as a four wing three, the way that I like to describe it, it's like, I think I'm unique and different, but I want to be perfect and recognized for everything that I do. So I'm like, no one understands me. Please understand me. I want to be great at this. Please acknowledge that. It's like this double-edged sword. Wait, I feel like my boyfriend's kind of like that. Like down low. Where is your hometown and where do you live now? Okay, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland. I lived in California uh, from like two to nine. And then I grew up in Houston, Texas. And now I live in and moved to Dallas for college. Now I live in Denver, Colorado. Instagram or TikTok? TikTok. Mm, We're we're diving in. Okay. I think everyone's answer is TikTok right now. Instagram. Most important self-care practice? Spin class. I knew you were going to say that. And I really want to talk about 
exercise as a form of mental health care because I need so much. Okay, okay, okay. Favorite book or favorite podcast? Favorite book. There's this book by Sarah Dessen called Dreamland that I've read every year of my life since I was like 13 years old. And it just like objectively, is it, you know, this great American novel? No, but it does it for me every time. That's what matters. I saw these tweets today that were like all those, all the books that they made us read in high school were objectively ass, like the great American novels or whatever. They were bad. And I was like, wait, like I was thinking about it because I went to high school. It was like all classical. Like I read like all of Shakespeare, like all the Iliad, all that crazy shit. And I was like, this shit is not hitting. So as long as it hits for you, that's what matters. And then what's your favorite way to indulge? I love a little treat. I love a treat. I can't stop myself from a treat. I'll have it every day. I mean, don't get me started on a Diet Coke. A crispy little Diet Coke. Don't get me started on that because that is a treat and a half. 100% it is. Like, I've been noticing I've been getting little side eyes from people when I pick up my Diet Coke recently. And I'm like, you guys, you guys got to take a step back. It is so funny that you say that. My first, I want to say, like, actually viral video on TikTok was me going on a rant about Diet Coke. And I was like, everyone is hating on me for drinking it. Mind your business. Let me live. Let me thrive. They have this little thing where it's like, you're drinking chemicals. And it's like, yeah, we're all going to die. Say it again. Okay, and here's my thing. I'm drinking chemicals. I'm eating chemicals. I clean with chemicals. I walk outside. I breathe in chemicals. It's like, sue me. Can I have a little thrill, a little joy in this life? We're all going to die. Therefore, I'm going to do it knowing that my counter is clean with some Clorox. Well, that was end of rapid fire. I would love to hear from you in your own words, who you are, what you do, and just your background for all the girls who are listening. Okay, I love this question. And I love this question because at 22, I'm 23 now. At 22, I finally realized that I was in charge of my own life and I got to decide who I was and I, you know, got to figure it out. And so if you asked me before, I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just like who I was was defined by what I did. I was a student. I was a daughter. I was a friend. But now who I am feels more wrapped up in like what I like, what I enjoy. And so I would say that I'm a 23-year-old girl kind of figuring it out. I love relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, familial relationships. I love studying them, talking about them. I am fascinated by relationships and how they shape us. So everything I really do kind of comes back to that. And a lot of who I am, I guess, is surrounded by making content. I love making content, but more importantly than making content, I make it not necessarily for like fame or any big recognition, but I make it because when I was 16, I needed the person that I am now. I needed her so bad. I needed to get online and scroll through Instagram. TikTok didn't exist yet. Scroll through Twitter, scroll through Facebook and see someone confident and healthy and thriving and happy and to know that like I could get there on my own. So I'm just someone who is always elevating, I would say, but not in this like hustle, toxic, you know, 1% better every day kind of way, but just like that I recognize that there's so much that I want and that it's all actually attainable. I resonate so much with most of what you said because I feel like the, the, the hustle bustle, we can get to that later, but I really needed, that's why like today, this week, I'm going through a lot mentally, but like I still knew that like at the end of the day, this conversation and this and speaking to you and showing up for my community 
was so necessary because it's what I needed so badly at 16. And so I feel like we might've been in similar places at that time as well. But I also want to hear, I want to talk about relationships too, if you just want to jump into that, because you're so fascinated by them. I've never heard someone describe themselves like as that, as someone who's like really interested in that. What makes you interested in relationships? Yeah, I think that my love for relationships came at a really young age because I felt this huge lack of connection from my family. I felt like they were all very close and I was kind of on the outside of it. And I didn't grow up around a lot of kids. My sister, I have one sister, she's seven years older than me. And then, you know, my parents, like my dad and my mom were never married. So when we moved, he stayed in Baltimore. So I grew up with my mom. And so I was around a lot of adults all my life. And I was like, I don't really feel known here. I don't, I feel loved, but I don't really feel known. And so I was always craving this kind of connection. And of course, when you crave connection at a very young age as a young woman, you gravitate often towards men. And so I was just really very lucky. I've, I say it all the time, but I have always had best friends and I feel really lucky because a lot of women do not have close girlfriends. I've always had these incredible friends. And so I think that steered me away from like being super boy crazy at a really young age. And so I was like really focused on my friendships, really focused on my relationships. And I, something about getting to know people and valuing people in that moment. And I'm sure you've had it amongst like your relationships where it's like, this is going to be a long-term thing. You're going to be in my life. I feel a connection with you. That moment is unlike any other. That moment is saying like, I am choosing to go about life with you, which is a really special thing. And so I've been chasing that kind of in a, in a fun way. And I've met these incredible people and relationships are not always long-term. You know, sometimes people are with you for a season, you know, you make friends and then you move or you grow up or you have different opinions about things and you shift. But once you begin forging relationships with someone and you feel fully known and valued and seen by someone, there's really nothing like it. And so, you know, as I got older and I started dating and entering romantic relationships, I was really fascinated by that because I was always very fascinated by sex as well. And I just, I felt like I grew up in a very sex positive household. And my mom was always like, you can have sex, but you're not going to like it right now. Like, you don't know what you want. They don't know what they're doing. There is no point. And she's an icon. No, Millicent's an icon. She was like, you can have sex, but like, no queen. (laughs) But girl, like, you're going to lay down and be like, what the hell is this? (laughs) So just don't. And so I was really fascinated by sex and kind of like what sex meant in relationship and sex as a currency and sexual acts as a currency and just dealing with insecurity and growing up and not really feeling like I really had a place in the world. I was like, if I give this sexual act, what do I get in return? And what does that fulfillment or unfulfillment feel like? And so I started being really fascinated by romantic relationships or sexual relationships at a young age, which I think shaped how I viewed relationships romantically later in my life. And I kind of touched on it with familial relationships. I've always felt very different than my whole family. I've always kind of felt like I'm on the outside of it. And so I'm very fascinated by these relationships that grow when you live in close quarters, but you don't necessarily spend time together. Like what does that relationship look like when you have a mom or a dad or a grandparent, a sibling? And it's like, I love you because we're in proximity. But what does it look like to really like each other, to grow that relationship, to know each other? I just think it's all very interesting and there's layers to it. But relationships is really what makes the world go round. I mean, everything thrives on relationship. It does. And I think you touched on something so interesting there of like thinking from a very early age about transactions and how relationships, like especially with men or especially in like a power play or whatever, like can what that can look like and if it can be scary or not. Um, or if it makes sense. And I think it's great that you grew up in a sex-positive household, too, because a lot of people definitely don't. But the thing I want to hear from you about is female friendships. Because, 
like you said, you've had best friends for a long time. I feel like I've been in and out of places where I've had best friends or I felt like a loner. And I think a lot of people like us who are moving and who are going to new cities or starting new chapters of our lives need help with making those female friendships. So for you, what do you look for in other people when you're making those female friendships? And how do you nurture those relationships to get to a place where it's like, okay, I think we can see each other being in, being in each other's lives long term. You know, tales old as time. It's to have good friends, you need to be a good friend. But I also think to be a good friend, you have to be more secure in who you are. It is very easy for women to pit themselves against each other. What does she have that I don't have? We're out together and guys are hitting on her and not on me, especially when you're you know, younger and you're growing up and your body starts developing and your opinions start developing. And it's like, if I act like this or sound like this, or I make myself a little more ditzy, or in certain situations, I sound more smart, more people will like me. How do I form myself to be more like this other person? And when you're younger, I don't think you even really realize that you're doing it. You know, you just spend so much time together, especially with your elementary and middle school friends. You don't realize that you're kind of morphing to become this like same person. And it can feel really great and connecting in some way. But it, but then you step back. It's like, I don't even think I like that. <laughs> no, I don't even think that's who I am. I don't I don't think I appreciate that. But I I think that it is very easy to form friendships when you know who you are, because then you know what you're looking for, you know what you attract. And I very much think that you attract a lot of relationships, not in every case, but you attract a lot of relationships that are representations of how you feel about yourself inside and how you see the world around you. But by way of like making friends, I've always been really big about putting myself out there, you know, and doing things I like, like I, we've talked about it, but I love spin class. Um, I really value it. And I made a lot of my close Texas friends from the spin studio. I knew that we were like-minded girls. I knew that we enjoyed doing the same thing three to five times a week. I'd see them all the time. And then I was like, okay, yeah, let's take this spin class together. And then maybe let's go to dinner. The worst thing somebody can say is no, you know, and if they say no, okay, (laughs) I'll move on. And I think that like nurturing, you know, friendships really comes down to sometimes the reality is with any relationship you're in, you have to show up for someone even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you've had a long fucking day and you're exhausted and you're tired and a friend comes to you my boyfriend and I are going through a really hard time or I think my job is gonna let me go or I feel really insecure and to be a good friend you have to say I am willing to put you above myself right now not all the time no good friend is gonna ask you to put them above you all the time but sometimes friendship requires showing up even when you don't feel like it and I think that's where a lot of people lose friendships because they don't recognize that I agree with you 100%. And I think sometimes it's as someone who struggles to do that, I agree 100%. And like, you have to be a good friend to have a good friend. But what I think I've learned the most this past year is that good friend, you have to be secure in yourself. Like, I've really noticed that I think when you see a friend and you start to disagree on something or you feel uncomfortable with something they said, Most of the time, it's not the situation. Most of the time, it's one of your insecurities popping up and you realizing and realizing why that person's acting that way. Like I have a friend who did the classic, started making fun of another friend in front of guys when it was like, there was no need for all that, you know? And it's this other friend gets a lot of male attention and this one doesn't. And it's like, 
all right, I've got to pit myself against you. And she doesn't know she's doing that. She doesn't understand that, like, that's a frustration, but it is the truth. So therefore, like, that per- that doesn't mean that that is a bad person. It means that that person hasn't recognized their own insecurities and worked on them. And that, and that is what they need to do to be a good friend. So I love that, especially because it's such a hard time, this post-grad time to like make friends and putting yourself out there. You're one of the good ones doing that. Like, I'm so glad you're doing that. I think, you know, touching back on insecurity a little bit, I think that insecurity often breeds resentment within friendships, especially female friendships. When you're really insecure, you kind of start resenting that the other person isn't. And when you do that, you start getting really nitpicky. You get a little mean. You get a little standoffish. And before you know it, you're being a downright bitch to this person you call a friend. And then you wonder why they don't want to hang out with you. (laughs) It's interesting because the only reason we can recognize that behavior is because we've wanted to do it ourselves before. You have great... Like, I hate, okay, as a Black woman, I hate when people say you're so well-spoken, because that's not what I mean when I'm saying this. I'm not giving you a little microaggression, but I'm saying the way that you have, like, a God-given public speaking ability to talk about mental health and feelings really well. Do you feel like that's because you've been in therapy, or have you been in therapy, or where does it come from? Well, (laughs) I was in theater growing up. And so I think that, you know, that is a big part of it. But I have always said this. I I know how I feel. Sometimes I don't know why. And so I have bipolar disorder. And I didn't, I wasn't diagnosed until around COVID times. And so I always had a lot of these feelings and I would be able to communicate them. This is how I feel. This is what it, you know, feels like. This is what's going on. But I don't really know why. But I would express it and express it in hopes that someone could help me make sense of it. I've always been very open about my lived experiences. And I think that that kind of ties back to relationship. I think that the more vulnerable and transparent you are, the better relationships you're going to have. And I also think that it is so important to start erasing the shame that we have in our lived experiences, especially things that have happened to us that we didn't choose. And I don't know, I think that the way that I come across, the way that I communicate really sometimes does feel God-given and universe-given because it's not really a skill that I've like necessarily worked on. I just feel so comfortable expressing how I feel. And luckily the words just come out. (laughs) That means a lot to hear because I've never heard it that way. I know how I feel, but I don't know why. I feel like as a crazy perfectionist myself, hearing but I don't know why is so scary because I feel like then my feelings won't be validated. How did you get to a point where understanding that you didn't know why was okay? I think that I have just always had really good friends who have affirmed that in me. You know, you don't really always need to know why you're feeling the way that you feel. Just the fact that you're upset right now or sad right now or happy right now, whatever you're feeling right now is okay. And we're going to meet you where you are. Um, that not every feeling has to be tied to a reason because we are such emotional human beings. And to feel like We can only have emotion if we have reason. I mean, we wouldn't experience nearly as many emotions as we do every day. Sometimes you're just in a good mood and that's great. And sometimes you're just down and that's okay too. But I think that I got a lot more comfortable with that when I got my diagnosis because bipolar disorder doesn't necessarily give you a reason that you're depressed, a reason that you're manic. It's just how my brain works. And so you've been open with that too. Do you feel like you've faced stigma for it or whatever? Like what has the experience been since you've gotten a diagnosis? 
Yeah, I think it's interesting because I diagnosed before I had a TikTok following. And so I told all my friends pretty quickly because I I felt like it was a conversation I was having my, with my friends before I was diagnosed. So it was like, I think that this might be something, but I don't want it. And I feel shame in it. But I was very comfortable expressing that to them. And so once I got the diagnosis, I was like, y'all, this is what's going on. I'm trying to make sense of it. Just bear with me, you know, as I try new medication, whatever it may be. So I didn't receive any stigma, any backlash, any negativity from them. But I think that when you start putting your full self on the internet, it gets really tricky. And so sometimes I'll just, I I feel like there's a couple, it depending on when you followed me on TikTok, I feel like you have this different perception of me. I really do. Because there was a time where I was just vulnerable post after vulnerable post. I was very open. It was a lot of what I call FaceTimes, a lot of FaceTimes, a lot of like, this is me making sense of my emotions. And then there was this time of me being very silly and very goofy and just very like happy-go-lucky, whatever. And then there's when I started my corporate job, one that I actually enjoyed and started talking about like working in corporate, you know, so you see like a lot of my corporate hot girl content. And I feel like people who didn't follow me when I was talking a lot about mental health and just my lived experiences are like, oh my gosh, <laughs> wow, there's a lot going on here. I'm like, yeah, there is a lot going on here. It's, you know, called being a dynamic human being. Imagine not feeling like you have to have a niche all of the time. I'm a human being, not a niche. <laughs> it's just like, I am a human. I, you know, we'll talk about my bipolar disorder online sometimes, and then I'll just be silly, goofy, having a good time. And then sometimes people will comment, like, are you manic or are you okay? Like when I, you know, decided that I was moving to Denver, which I think TikTok is a really funny thing because you don't see everyone's like all of the people you follow's posts, like every single one. So sometimes there's gaps. So I was talking about moving to Denver for a long time. I think I've shared it with the internet since the thought entered my brain and I've been going through that process. And so I was like packing up and, you know, making a video about that. Somebody was like, are you manic? This seems like a sudden change. And I was like, so I see TikTok didn't put me on your for you page for a little minute. Uh, <laughs> so you were out of the loop. Also, please avoid trying to diagnose people you do not know. That is so unhealthy and it's rude. No matter how good your intentions are, it is deeply harmful and very rude. Very rude. I think I saw that video you made afterwards where it's like, don't do, don't do that. Don't try to diagnose people. I think it's interesting that TikTok, that people genuinely believe that they've been in every conversation in our lives and can make a, and can make a holier than thou observation about who we are from the like less than 24 hours of content we've put up probably ever like it's just it's very crazy to me because I have people talking shit about me sit on the this reddit thread that, like my boyfriend's gonna break up with me because I decided to move to LA impulsively and I'm like my boyfriend's the one who wanted to move to LA for in the first place like it just makes me realize that people are so they will create narratives that are not like out of nowhere and it's like you don't really know who I am you know and my thing is god forbid I end up on anybody's reddit thread because I will screenshot it and I will respond. I'll make a video and say, you want to create narratives? Let's talk through them. Let's talk through your very creative thought process and let's go through it, babe. Literally, my manager said, told me I'm banned from Reddit. Like, and I am because the girls, like, it doesn't make sense to just hate on me so much. It really doesn't. 
But like, I feel like when it comes to like, you're going to be talking about my boyfriend on there, like you've got to chill out. Like you're sick and obsessed. That's like what the Nicki Minaj thing says. And it's really strange. I kind of want to get into this too, where it's like, we are expected to uphold this level of class and dignity and response all of the time when people are being downright cruel and mean and sick. And it's like, I would be wrong if I responded to a hate comment and said, shut the hell up. I would be in the wrong, even though you are making up stories and narratives and and just being so rude. But it's like, you know, you have these brands that's like, morality clause you know and it's like you don't really know what goes into that but it's like I know that I would lose out on a deal if I came on here and I cursed you out and don't even get to the point where it's a white woman hating on you and you're a black woman because that's what it is Marie I had this girl who said some nasty shit in my dms and I posted it clarifying what I was saying on my stories and I didn't leave her name out because she had some things to say and she was like you're fucking evil for leaving my name in this like you're a horrible person like most people would have the decency to at least like crop my name out and I was like most people would have the decency to not bully a stranger on the internet like what what like it's just it doesn't make sense to like I'm indecent for keeping your name in the hate comment that you posted of me but you're not indecent for saying it in the first place I'm sorry mama you said it (laughs) did you not wanna did you not wanna own up to what you said It's just exhausting. It really is exhausting. And I feel like, you know, the Reddit girlies and the hate comment girlies are like, you signed up for this life. You should expect a certain amount of criticism. And I'm like, it is so easy to say when you are on the other side of it. But imagine logging onto an app and there are threads about you, pages about you. Um, Like the human brain cannot fully fathom that it is absolutely insane and you expect us to uphold this like oh well I'm in the public eye I shouldn't expect it but I think it's really interesting because like there's this difference between celebrities and influencers right obviously tons of differences but with celebrities there's always this understanding that you don't know them you hate on their acting in a movie you hate on their outfit on the red carpet you hate on you know the way they portrayed themselves in this interview but you understand that you don't know them as a person with the rise of influencer culture, these people genuinely believe that they know and have a relationship with us. Therefore, they deserve the right to comment on us. Things that you would never say 20, 30 years ago about Jennifer Aniston or and whoever, you know, you just wouldn't think of it because you realize you don't know them, but they believe that they know us. And it's also different though, because it's like your, you would also never say that to your friend. That's my thing is like, you wouldn't sit. And if you were talking shit about your friend like that, you would never do it in a place where they could see it. And like, that is what it is to me. Cause it's like, if you really did know me, you wouldn't do this first of all. And then second of all, like this influencer versus celebrity culture, like you said, it's like, it's such a weird thing where it's like, this is a very specific subset of the internet where it's like, we can just put all of our anger towards. No, it's so easy to just be, you know, mean and cruel towards influencers. And I often think about how like, there's been a lot of these really big name influencers who have come out and been like, y'all, I didn't expect this. And not in like coy, like I was posting content every day and hoping I'd blow up. And then, oh my God, my video went viral. I didn't expect this. Not that. It's like, you know, you have the Victoria Paris's of the TikTok who post a video and within a month, they have a million followers. I mean, her trajectory was quick. 
You know what I'm saying? And like Kennedy Urich. And then you think like Jackie Ina, who has been in the content creation game for decades and it took her decades to get there. And sure, the social media, you know, scape was very different, you know, in her coming up. But it's just like a lot of these, especially young women, and people love to hate on young women. They love it, love it, love it. They see young women who have blown up and they're like, I now have the right to hate on you. And like, y'all, my life changed in a month, in two months, in a year. One day I was walking around like a normal person doing whatever I wanted. Now I can't go to the Whole Foods with somebody grabbing me. It's odd because it is, it is like that people don't understand it until they experience it. And people would say to me, like, they would be like, even when I had 80k followers, they'd be like, you're so small, like, you don't get it. It's like, actually, when I leave the house, people do, like, it's different now. Like, it's different now. Like, and I don't think people understand the scope and like, the opportunities, the monetary life change, the that type of thing that like, we are still young women dealing with that. And like, we don't get any grace. And I do think this could lead to like a good conversation that we were talking about earlier of like this idea of our of platforms being built of a lot of these TikTok girlies talking about how they're leaning in toward to the soft life and a life of leisure or whatever. But in reality, we've sort of monetized and made our entire life work. And should we read the tweet specifically? We should read the tweet. Okay. This is by... Kimberly Nicole Foster, hey girl. I don't like that the lifestyle influencers make content about opting for a life of leisure over work when they've turned their entire lives into a workplace. This shit blew my mind. No, I saw that and I was like, I think it is very, very interesting that lifestyle is a niche that is, it's so big. I mean, they're, you know, hundreds of thousands of lifestyle girlies and especially when you start making money off of your lifestyle and you say you know I'm leaning into a soft life I'm you know I'm stepping away from corporate and it's like you're stepping away from corporate to step into selling your life and I'm not saying this with judgment I'm saying this as someone who's reflecting I've done it myself my life has become content I go to the grocery store and I think I should be recording this. I go out to dinner and I'm like, let me get a quick snap of this. Like I, at this point, pre-package my life to make it consumer friendly. I am selling my life. And that is so dangerous to put your whole identity in. And we both talked about how we would not dream of leaving our full-time jobs for content creation. And that is a huge reason why for me. I 100% agree. I think because I also work in the content creator space. Like I work at YouTube. So I see a lot of YouTubers. I see the lifestyle and I see the obsession because I work in content strategy. So for example, somebody's video doesn't do well on YouTube. And they're really upset about it. It's my team who's reviewing the performance. And it's like to see the emotions that go into that for these people who are selling their lives. This is and the thing is, I can't blame them because that video would probably make them a million dollars. Like I couldn't be mad. And I, and that is not an exaggeration financially. I can't be mad at that. But like to know that like that level of stress exists on your life is also really toxic. And I don't think I realized how intensely I was doing that until right until I saw this tweet that was like, you're saying you're off- opting for a soft legs, Alexis, like this life of leisure, whatever. But like, in reality, you work 16 hours a day, like you don't actually have any soft in your life. Like, you are crazy. Like, I feel like it's, it's scary. to do. I think that there's this idea that the more money you have, the softer your life is. And that usually isn't the case. And unless you come from like, 
hordes of generational wealth and you know money was like passed to you and listen I'm not even hating on generational wealth I would love to be able to pass down generational wealth like that is the goal ultimately I'm not hating on it I'm just saying that like a soft life usually comes with years of a hard life before that and I'm not saying that me setting up my camera and making these videos for transparently thousands of dollars is hard I I understand that there are laborers out there I'm not saying it is hard but I I like, I think that there's something to be said about feeling like your entire life has to be content to stay relevant. And then there's this fine line of like, I have to be relatable so people like me, but then I have to be aspirational so people stay. That is the biggest thing for me that I, I struggle to balance so much because this, the words out of touch are like, they're going everywhere. The Reddit girls are on it. She's out of touch. Or also I saw this thing really interesting, actually about Sydney Sweeney. So Sydney Sweeney, the actress from Euphoria, which I have not watched because too scary, but she, she's gorgeous and she's like taking over right now. She's a Hollywood it girl, but she was saying like, I don't come from generational wealth. I have to work. I can't take time off like other actors and just like only do the really prestigious roles because I've got to pay people. And that's why I'm doing brand deals. That's why I'm doing this. And I saw that then because people were criticizing her for doing brand deals in the first place. I'm like, girl, you better get your bag. I saw the article on Instagram and I'm very interested in it because there was this idea that she was watering down her image by spreading her image really thin. What the fuck is that? (laughs) You know, like for lack of candor, what is that? I am... I'm so many places that now I'm less valuable, but isn't that the goal to continue growing and to have my name be put out there? And it's also not like she's doing brand deals for these small little brands. Like these are huge names. It's just fascinating. I think it's really interesting. You know, this idea that like Sydney Sweeney is saying she can't take time off of work and people are like, well, she just bought a million dollar house or a three million dollar house. So maybe if she didn't do that, then I'm like, so we're pocket watching Sydney Sweeney now? Yeah. And that's the thing is people were saying she was out of touch. And the thing is, she's an actress. <laughs> like, of course she's out of touch. Also, are there not different levels of touch? <laughs> like, are there not? There have, uh, since, hum- and I'm screaming, <laughs> but since humanity has begun, there have always been different realities for different groups of people. Always. And I, I feel like, I was thinking about this earlier, so I'm glad that we've somehow managed to bring it up. It's like the the Reddit girlies, especially, and just like people online, expect there to be this like universal collectiveness. And if you step foot outside of this universal collectiveness that they know, then you're out of touch, or you don't get it, or you've done too much. Like there's always been different realities. And just because I do not live within your reality anymore, doesn't make me a bad person. Exactly. And I think that that's what it is specifically because influencers by nature would not exist if there weren't different realities because you follow people for different realities. I follow a lot of the Mormon mommy vloggers because their houses are stunning. I love that shit. Gorgeous home in Salt Lake City. Square footage I could never dream of. Stunning. But like, that's not my reality. Getting married and having three kids by 24 is not my reality, but that doesn't make it 
out of touch for them to do that. And like, I guess when people have money, my thing is I've just been like happy for you. Congratulations. You've got money. Not like now I can't relate to you. You're not interesting to me anymore. Like I like seeing other people's experiences. And I think that's what makes influencers different from like the people who the Reddit girlies is that like, we've seen that, like we like watching that type of thing. So we're slightly odd enough to share our own experiences, which is very scary. And I don't understand why I decided to do this or why my brain wants to talk to a hundred thousand people every day, but it's still like, it's, it's just different. It's not wrong. No, I I think it's, it's (laughs) once again, very interesting that it's like, these people will criticize, you know, money or wealth or success. And I'm like, don't, aren't we all aiming for that? If you had the money, especially, you know, with like it being the summer and, you know, all the influencers going to the Hamptons and yada, yada. And they're like, how could they afford that without their parents? That's so crazy to be 25 living off of mommy and daddy's money. In my world, I would love to support my kids. I would love to be able to send them to summers in the Hamptons with their friends. That doesn't mean they don't know the value of money. Believe me, influencers know the value of money. We know exactly how much we're making, how much we're getting ripped off, how much we're getting paid. Like we know the value of a dollar. But like, isn't that the goal to support the people you love? But there's this like deep-rooted jealousy and anger towards people who have success. And I I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. And like, also because ideas of success are really different now. Because like, we have, like we said, like, and I want to hear more from you about this decision of like, I don't see myself leaving my job. And I like having a corporate job. I like the community it gives me. I like the skills. I like that it keeps me in touch, you know, because, you know, I know it makes me realize that like numbers and followings are not everything, even though for YouTube. So I guess they are, but like for you, why do you feel, or how did you come to that realization? Like I'm not aiming to be Victoria Paris or something like that. I'm aiming to just like have my life and share content as it feels good. I like to avoid situations that can make me insecure or make me question my self-worth. And I would like to say I'm a very confident person, but I put myself in situations where it's very easy to be confident and where confidence is attainable. I do not want my financial security and my mental health depending on my likability. In order to be a successful influencer, people have to like you and they have to continue liking you. And with the algorithm being as it is, and the algorithm is not meant for black women, which is a whole other thing we can get into. But with the algorithm being as it is, some videos will do really well. And then some videos will sit at 3000 views. And it's like, what? Literally, what is going on? And, and I just feel like if I put myself in that situation where that is my job, it would be very easy for me to find a lot of insecurity there and a lot of comparison there. And that's just not healthy for me. It's not. I agree. I think that's just a good reason. Like, it's just not healthy for me. And I don't think it's healthy for a lot of people. And I think it can be fun without it having to be everything. And yeah, and we have this idea that we have to be one super like excelling at one super specific thing forever. And it's like, that's not really how anything has ever worked, is it? Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, because you see a lot of, we talked about this, but like a lot of influencers will, you know, they blew up really fast or even if it took them a minute, their trajectory, whatever it may have been, but they're like, I kind of regret this. 
You know, I especially people with like really big followings. And it's interesting because I've seen the rise of this a lot with these pretty big names. Some names that I've never even seen on my For You page, but they happen to be there. I go to their profile. They have 1.5 million followers. And they're like, y'all, this is kind of for the birds. <laughs> like, I don't know. And it just, it makes me feel so, you know, thankful because a lot of them were faced with this decision to go full-time content before they even had a time to think, do you want a life in the public eye? Like, do you? I don't. I I do not want to live a whole life in the public eye. I want to get married and not feel like I have to vlog my wedding day. I want to have kids and not feel like I owe the internet my kids' faces. You know, I don't want my whole life to be in the public eye. And thankfully, my trajectory to 150,000 followers has been pretty evenly paced and I didn't blow up overnight and I wasn't faced to make this huge decision before I was ready to. I had time to think about it and I've thought about it and I know what I want. And that's beautiful. How do you do that self-reflection? Like what tools do you use to make those choices and those decisions, whether it was to become a content creator, to move to Denver, all those things that you're doing right now? I feel almost as if I, like with becoming a content creator, I've always created content one way or the other. I've always been like very public about my life online. And I just like never found a platform that really stuck. And then TikTok did. So that decision kind of came naturally with like, I have these experiences and I want to share them. I feel almost this obligation to share them. But I... Like I said at the beginning of our call, like I realized that I was allowed to change my life at 22 years old and now I am just enthralled by it. Like all I want to do is find ways to be happier and healthier and more successful because I I genuinely didn't know that I could. I was in this abusive relationship with this man who made me feel like my biggest aspiration was to be his wife. And before I was dating him, the church told me that. And before I was in the church, I wish I felt this longing to belong to someone. And so now that I realize I really only belong to myself and I'm in charge of my own peace and happiness and growth, I'm like, what can I do to get there? I just like want to applaud you for getting to that place because like, I know that feeling. I think mine came in a, a similarly rocky way of like recognizing like, oh, you actually decide what you want. Nobody else does. And not having that guidance is really scary. But knowing that you can come out of it is so exciting and beautiful and to see the excitement and beauty in it instead of the fear is what's most wonderful about it so I think like seeing that like I know I can so I'm going to as opposed to like oh I don't know what I want I'm just gonna let life happen to me is really beautiful I'm just really happy that you're out here doing that thank you I think and a big thing to like people listening like it's okay to not know what you want it's okay to do trial and error you know like I decided to move to Denver and I could have hated it. I really, I could have hated it. Luckily, I love it and I'm so happy to be here. But like, I had no idea because I'd never done it before. You know, you're going to try things that don't feel right. But what I encourage is just to have the bravery to leave when it doesn't feel right. We've got to stop staying in places and situations not meant for us just because we're afraid of what's on the other side. Oh, that's a word. That's a word because I think we do that a lot and in subtle ways. Like women stay in friend groups because they want to feel like you said, like they want to belong to something or relationships. It could be just like a subtly, you know, that person's not right for you. It could be abusive. And like we stay because we don't want to ruffle feathers, but having the bravery to leave, where did you get that? I 
was dating this guy during COVID and we had been off and on and off and on, you know, through our entire relationship. It was very unhealthy and very rocky. And the last day that we were dating, he had left the apartment to go work. And I was like, oh my God, this is finally healthy. This is finally really, really good. And then he called me and he was like, I think it was like three or four. He was like, I need three or $4,000 for this thing that I'm doing. And I was like, I just feel like, and mind you, at the beginning of our relationship, I had given him a lot of money. So I was like, I just feel like that wouldn't be very healthy for our relationship. Like, I don't really feel comfortable doing that. I am so sorry. I won't do it. And he screamed at me. I mean, it was just awful. And I'm sitting there on FaceTime and I'm working because I was working from home and I was just looking at him and he looked so angry and so mean and so vicious. And in that moment, it clicked. I was like, I don't have to do this. I am allowed to leave. And I think that it was a combination of all of the small ways that I'd shown up for myself up until that moment, ways that I didn't recognize were going to shape me and change me. But in that moment, I was like, I'm, I'm allowed to leave. I don't have to do this. And then my perspective shifted and I preach all the time on my TikTok. I'm like, y'all, I don't care if you do one itty bitty small little thing to show up for yourself today. Proving to yourself that you are on your own side is going to result in so much greatness because then your body and your brain will begin to trust you. And having trust with yourself is the most important thing you can have. I just want to say that again so that everyone can hear it one more time is that proving to yourself that you're on your own side is the best thing you can do for yourself. I mean, it's a word of self-confidence. I think that people are, and I'm worried that there's people listening right now. They're like, yeah, but like not me. And like, I just want to say to those people who are having that little bit of self-doubt that like it is what it doesn't have to be huge it can be something really small and just making that choice is so amazing and I think you do that in a lot of ways as well yeah I mean I think like spin changed my life going to the spin studio you know five times a week at that time and making commitments to myself and honoring them every single day led me to leave an abusive relationship it's not that one day you're gonna wake up and be like okay I'm gonna leave because that's not really how it works when you're stuck in something and this could be abusive relationship this could be toxic friendship this could be unhealthy work environment whatever situation you are in you are not going to show up for yourself in big ways if you don't have experience doing it in small ways first I think I needed to hear that for myself too in this moment of moving and like needing to show up for myself but you talk about spin question for you how did you make exercise like a positive thing for you and like avoid the negativity or not negativity but you know the pressure to look a certain way or the pressure to make exercise like your entire identity and just use it for the mental health and the physical health benefits because I think like I'm a person who gets obsessive on that type of thing and like I've gotten to a place where I'm not anymore but it was really hard in the beginning so how did you start how was that transition or that like choice to show up for yourself and not show up to look like something for someone else? So my best friend once told me I think we were 17 years old she said you can do the right thing for the wrong reason and that has stuck with me for my life since then. So it would be a lie if I said that I started going to spin just because I wanted to feel good and just because I wanted to move my body. No, I went because I wanted to lose weight. I went because I wanted to look a certain way. I was doing the right thing, moving my body and exercising for the wrong reason. But over time, I developed a healthier perspective. 
And over time, I started saying, this doesn't have to consume me. This does not have to control me. I am allowed to miss days of spin. And I'm going to be honest with you, tonight I was feeling some anxiety because I was like, if I record this podcast tonight, I don't get to go to spin. And if I don't go to spin, I'm not working out five days this week. And if I'm not working out five days this week, then I'm not maintaining the body that I want to have, which is an unhealthy mindset. And I think that a lot of influencers come online and they they preach as if they have these healthy mindsets and they're recovered from disorders that they're not recovered from. And I will not lie and say I am fully recovered. I'm not. I struggle with an over-exercise addiction sometimes. I struggle with disordered eating sometimes. And I'm honest about that. And it is hard for me sometimes. And so I'm not necessarily saying that I am doing the right thing for the right reason all the time. But I would say a good 80% of the time I am, and I'm really proud of that. Thank you. And thanks for not lying to us because we needed to hear that. Like, I mean, the girls, like, I don't know a woman that hasn't struggled with, like, disordered eating. Shout out to those girls who haven't. Good for you. Shout out to them. Go, that for you. But, like, I think it's helpful to know you're not just going to have a switch. And, and everything that you've said to us today, you're not going to have a switch go off. You've got to just continue every day and do your best every day. And that doesn't mean you don't have to compare yourself to your best. You just have to show up for yourself. And I think that's a good, I know we're almost at time. So I think that's a good place to get to the end of this because, wow, I just think the girls are going to be, are, they're going to love it. I hope so. I think that I've just always loved sharing my story and sharing where I am. And I, there's no point in lying. You know, there's just, there's no point in lying. And I, I understand that, you know, maybe some content creators do it to protect themselves. But um, I am not afraid of my truth. I'm not afraid of my journey. And so I share it openly. And that is doing so much for people you have no idea. So thank you for doing that. I have one question that I like to ask at the end of all my episodes, which is this, which is finish this sentence with something that you want young people or anyone to know. You are too smart for. You are too smart to be passive. Yeah, you are too smart to be passive in your own life. We show up for ourselves in this house and we honor ourselves and we value ourselves and we don't let life happen to us. We happen to things. We show up to things fully and we're present and you are too smart to let good opportunities and good moments pass you by because you're afraid of them. I feel like we need a part two because I want to get into that present enjoying of those moments but where can everyone find you plug yourself give us all the tea all the links for anything you're doing okay uh you can find me on tiktok at average cc s-i-s-i on instagram at sierra and photos s-i-e-r-r-a uh those are my two main platforms that's what i use i wish i was a twitter girly luckily my twitter is locked down thank you so much for coming on i'm so excited for everyone to hear this thank you so much for having me i love this Thank you so much for listening to Too Smart for This. I am so grateful that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to these conversations. If you're looking for more content, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Too Collective. And don't forget to follow me, your host, Alexis Barber, on the Gram TikTok as well. Don't forget, you can also watch our solo episodes on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alexis Barber. And we do a weekly giveaway of PR products or Amazon gift cards 
cards to girls who leave great reviews down below. So please make sure to leave your reviews and follow us on Instagram to be notified in case you win. And with that, do not forget that you are too smart to not love yourself and see you in the next episode.